0: Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful Personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Erica Polanco Webb is a stay at home mom and entrepreneur who is creating her own career lane while coordinating the chaos of managing a blended and special needs family of seven. Erica is a motherhood journalist and contributing writer for Chicago Parent and creator of the multimedia brand. Sinking Heels of Motherhood blog and podcast. In this episode, I connect with Erica to talk about her motherhood experiences from being a teen mom to now being a special needs mom and a multicultural mom, along with having toddlers and teenagers and being a tech mom, as well as a co parenting mom. My focus is trying to understand how does she do it all? What are the pillars of support that help her thrive? And how does she take care of herself and find ways to get so much done with kids at home? I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome, Erica Palanco-Webb, to Tuesdays with Andrea podcast. So happy to be here. This is so exciting. You guys, I can't wait to introduce Erica. I met Erica through Lewis, her husband, who is Fraternity Brothers with John, my husband. Just so happened, John and I also had a kid in college. Lewis had a kid in college with the mom of his two kids, and so when he met Erica and she came into the picture, she just took that role of mom to Jay and Lily. And considering Jay was also special needs, that is a huge commitment. And she came in and she just been such a phenomenal mom and partner to Lewis, who is one of my husband's best friends. And then on top of that, she had her own daughter at the time, Jayla. So you have this family of five now, this modern day party of five, blended family trying to just figure things out. One child special needs and then two teenagers, both girls. And then they have the little ones. And the little ones are so cute, two little girls. And then in the midst of all of this, so the last, she's just raising these children, getting her home life in order, helping Lewis, And then... She goes and gets her master's in secret. I don't know how she does that. And then she starts her own business, her consulting business, because she's a knowledge now on everything, child special needs education, support structures for families. She's a phenomenal resource for this. And then now she's a bona fide mommy expert and journalist and podcaster as well, putting out her content and creating her own brand, which is Thinking Heels of Motherhood. So I know that that intro was very long and probably not sufficient, Erica, for the work that you do, but you're a modern day super woman, and I am utterly fascinated by you. And that's why I'm so happy that you're on the show. Thank you. Thank you. No, you did a great job. It's so funny when I hear people talking about me, I'm like,
1: that me? You know, but I'm so humbled and so thankful that you asked me to do this and you said all those kind things. It's true, you guys, we have five kids. Three are teenagers now, two are toddlers. Our son, Jay, has uh, severe cerebral palsy, quadriplegia, severe mental retardation, and he's nonverbal, so he doesn't walk or talk. And then we have an eighth grader. We have a junior in high school. We have a four-year-old, and then we have a two-year-old, and we have a dog. It's a busy house, too, because we're a blended family. So because Lewis has his two kids from a previous relationship, I have one kid from a previous relationship. We literally are a family that have to report to. It's like it's six parents involved because my ex is married, his ex is married, and so you have these three kids that you know we have to plan and coordinate things amongst six adults, and so it is a very busy
0: <laughs> household. But so <laughs> when you guys have to plan things, right, with the kids, do you guys just have to get your calendars out in the beginning of the year? Like, okay, you have spring break. You have Christmas, or I have to work this time, or this is busy season for me. How does that work with scheduling and communicating? I mean, it's hard for me and my husband to communicate, and it's just one other adult. Like, to go through four other people included? Yeah, so, you know, communication
1: is a huge piece of this. And so when the year starts, we actually start putting things in a calendar. So we'll schedule doctor's appointments, days out of school, all that kind of stuff. We use Google Calendar, but there's some awesome co-parenting apps out there. You can use Cozy. You can use Talking Parents and Two Houses. There's a bunch of them out there. We use Google Calendar just because it's easier for us. We do a on and off like one year you have this, the other year you have this, or sometimes it's just like, okay, we'll always do spring break. And then midway through the spring break, they come back to you. Or, you know, that particular year we have them the full spring break and then we make it up in some other kind of way. And again, this is based on as long as both households or all three households agree. Usually we don't have much of a problem there, but we do have to do a lot of planning, a lot of scheduling, a lot of communicating, a lot of times over-communicating things because when you don't over-communicate, things kind of get lost in translation. In that sense, it can get complicated. But I think it's what we have found that's most important is to make sure that you communicate things. And, you know, just be respectful of the other household and try to plan as efficiently and effective as possible. Because the reality of it is that we have our thing that we're doing over here, and we're planning for, and they have their thing over there that they're planning for it. But you want to make sure you respect everyone's homes, everyone's marriage, and, you know, just give people grace where it's needed. And so that's kind of the role that we have taken. I would say we're probably the hub because we have the kids most of the time. We're the ones that make a lot of the plans and kind of say, hey, this is what's going on to this family. And then we say, hey, this is what's going on over here to that family. That's just how
0: it's been. It's been working to this point. And so that's just how we do it. (laughs) Did you guys always get along? Because it sounds like you guys have a pretty good communication process right now. Was there ever a point of like, we're having some issues here?
1: I'll definitely say, if you're looking for like this perfect story, that's not our story. Just to be (laughs) just completely honest with you, it's a lot of growing pains. It's a lot of learning. And we did not always get along. We didn't always agree. We still don't agree on everything. But I think the way that we kind of take this thing is we think about what's more important for the kids, right? So we put our needs in front of the kids. It's not really about us. This is about what works for the kids, what's in the best interest of the kids. And that's how we make the decisions. And even though some of it, you know, the other household may not completely agree, Then we have to put that back on you and say, Hey, but what do you think is appropriate for the child? What do you think, you know, is in the best interest of Jayla? That's how we do it. But no, we didn't always agree. We still don't always agree on everything. Because the reality of it is that each household runs differently, right? We have our way of running things and doing things. They have their way. They have their way. And none of it is the same. But I will say we have gotten to a place where, especially with my daughter's father, we went to his wedding. They invited us to their wedding. And a lot of people are like, wow, you guys went to their wedding? And it was like, yeah, I actually forget sometimes that it's like a baby mama, baby daddy situation. I feel like her dad is like my cousin. I've been knowing him since I was, oh my gosh, like 16. At this point in the game, I've been with my husband longer than when I was with him. So it's kind of like there's no tension and it's very comfortable. I love his wife. She's a really wonderful person. That's kind of how we are with them. So with Lewis's children's mom, I think with them, it's a little bit different because she's a mom, okay? And so she has her two children that's living here with us. That's a lot. And I give her the utmost respect for even doing that because it does take a lot. I can't imagine really doing it myself. You know, this is our situation. But of course, there's going to be some things that she feels that we don't do in the way that she would like. But I would say overall, We typically agree on a lot of things. I've been in the picture for so long at this point. So it's kind of like, okay, I trust Erica. I know Erica has the kids' best interests at heart. I may not care for whatever, you know, personally, but I know that when it comes to the children, that she's spot on. She's making sure that she's doing the right thing for them. And so that's really the most important part.
0: And explain your and Lewis's living dynamic now, because I know you touched on it a little bit, but just give us a good overview of like, what is? your guys' situation?
1: Lewis and I have been married. It'll be six years in July. But so we've been living together for, I don't even know you guys. I think it's been close to a decade, honestly. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> think about it. Or over a decade. And so we have the children. Well, my daughter is here with me 100% of the time. She used to go to her dad's house on the weekends. But the only reason why she doesn't do that every week is because she's older now. She has a car you know, she has her own schedule. So nothing shady or anything like that. It's just that she's growing up, you know, she's her senior year. So she's busy. She has her things that she does, but she's still busy and that kind of thing. And then with Jay and Lily, with the kids, we keep them Monday through Friday and then they go to their mom's house for the weekend and they go to school from over here. So that's how we do everything. And as far as like things for Jay, as far as like doctor's appointments, all that kind of thing, we coordinate that together and a lot of times I take him to the doctor's office most often because I think I'm the only one out of all the parents that don't work or don't have to clock into a job that stay at home but like hospitalization that kind of thing we do tag team when it comes to that so we are that's why I said that we're the hub because we have the kids 95% of the
0: time. Jay and Lily are both also in high school. Yes. And what grade is Jay in? Jay is considered a junior, so he's going into his senior year, and Lily is going into her freshman year. Okay, and Lily's going into freshman year. For Jay, explain his health situation and his physical ability and limitations.
1: Yes, so Jay is quadriplegia, which means he has no functionality of any of his limbs. He is nonverbal, so he does not talk. So basically, Jay cannot talk, he cannot walk, he cannot feed himself. He is fed through a feeding tube, which is called a G-tube. He is very medically complex. He has a lot of different things going on. Like he's legally blind, but he has impeccable hearing. And also he understands everything completely. So a lot of people see him and they like, does he understand or can he understand? Yes, he understands. He will let you know that he understands. He gets upset. He acts like a typical teenager as far as having an attitude, wanting to be in his room. He has food preferences. He has his preferences. That kind of thing, as far as emotions and behaviors in that regard, is the typical 17-year-old thing. He wants to be in his room. He doesn't want people to come in his room. You know, He wants to listen to the music he wants to listen to. He doesn't like for anyone, especially his dad, to sing along with the music. It irritates him for some reason. He likes rap and things like that. So that's what it is. And then Jayla and Jay are the same age. Well, Jay is older, but they're in the same grade. A lot of people are like, are they twins? But they're in the same grade. So they're both juniors in high school. They'll be seniors.
0: And then Lily is... She's going into her freshman year. She's in eighth grade. So no graduation for her because of all of this. But yeah. Got it. Okay. So then for her, the eighth grade year, it's your last year with your friends in junior high. How is she dealing with that? You know what? It's so weird. Disappointed, yes. But can
1: I say that she's completely depressed about it and all of that? No. And I think it's because you look forward to it, but then you don't even really know what it really is. And so it's kind of one of those things where, you know, they say you can't miss what you've never had. I think, yes, there's a yearning to want that, but it's not like she's depressed about it. And maybe
0: it'll really hit later on, But I can tell you right now, she seems fine. That's Lily. And then you have the little girls. We just had a birthday party and you had two back-to-back almost. How is this? It's
1: different because they have completely different personalities than Jayla and Lily had. So these last two are very rambunctious. They are very outspoken. That's why you can hear them now. Versus Lily and Jayla, where they were quiet, you can sit them down, take their toys, and it's fine. Like You can't believe them. Whereas... These little two little things, they're not like that at all. So, you know, it's different in that regard, but I will say the blessing in all of it is that I am able to enjoy them more. I'm able to really appreciate having little kids more because I have the time and now I have the wisdom. I know what it's like to be, you know, a working single mom. I know what it's like to be a working mom having to hurry up and pick them up from daycare and then hurry and return home and cook meals and so. I've experienced that life before. So now I'm a lot more graceful. I'm a lot more just full cool at the capacity that I can love on them and be present for them in ways that I wasn't necessarily able to be with Jayla in those early, early years. And so it's different in a sense that they're busybodies and all that kind of stuff, but it's actually been fun to do this again and almost kind of have like this second, second chance. chance because now I know a lot more. And I feel like I have even much more to give. And so, you know, I'm grateful for that experience, especially because I didn't have a baby for like 13 years. But thankfully, I didn't have any issues and I had them back to back. Two years to the day, my two youngest have the same birthday. (laughs) Are you guys done? I think we're done. We play around with this idea of having this equal number of kids so we can have like these three young and then these three older. But unfortunately, our band can't hold Another body. Yeah, because that's seven people
0: already with the wheelchair as well. Yeah. So if we were to do that, we'd really have to get really creative, probably trade in a car. We'd have to do Tesla something. needs to come up with something for you guys. Seriously. <laughs> right. Already have eight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: So yeah, we throw it around, but I think we do it in, in good fun. I don't think either one of us are sold to
0: that yet. Right. You're good right now. Okay, so you have the kids going on and then Lewis is still working outside of the home demanding job as well. And then you decide to start your own business. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> when the economy collapsed back in, what was that? Oh, wait. 8 9, that time, I got laid off from my job. And so I was working as an advertising analyst at an advertising agency. I got laid off. I kind of looked for a job a little bit. And then I was like, going to start doing PR myself. And so I did that. I did that for some celebrities. I went to the Grammys. It was really fun. I spent a lot of time in LA. But then my relationship got really serious uh, with Lewis, And then we got these kids who, you know, they're growing up. And so my social, that kind of social piece that comes with PR, it just was a lot to keep up when I have these kids. And, you know, we're really trying to like build this home and this future together. And so I started stepping away from it slowly and just started doing more consulting things. And so that's kind of how I landed doing consulting gigs more so than doing the PR gig. My company, Ready Image, has been around for 10 years now. That's how it came to be. And
0: then I decided to blog <laughs> because... You're like, might as well. Okay, going back to when you were doing PR and then you were at the advertising agency and you decided to do your own thing. And then now your relationship with Louis is getting serious. Did you get ever scared off from the fact that, hey, this is now going to change my life? Were you scared at all?
1: You know what? No. And probably because the way that things manifested, it was like over time. So everything, it started to literally blend into one another. Initially, Lewis's two kids, we didn't have them the way that we have them now. So we didn't have them Monday through Friday. We played with the schedule a lot of different ways you guys it's just not like an easy type of thing. I wasn't scared at all because it happened over time and it wasn't like something that happened immediately. So, you know, you kind of have time to work your way into this. For us and for me, it was kind of a no-brainer, like, okay, they'll live with us full-time because our school district is better than the other parents. And it just makes more sense. There's more things for them to do at this school and more support for Jay, especially. So those were kind of the driving forces behind it. But I can assure you for some crazy reason, I was just not scared. You're like, no. <laughs> I was already committed at that point. And I think that that's what it is. I was already committed to it. So. And what
0: is it about Lewis that was like, this is the man. This is it. First of all, his
1: fathering, right? So, so I'm coming from a relationship. I have a kid. And so that's a priority for me is making sure I find somebody that's in tune with their children if they have them. And just finding someone that I feel can compliment me, especially where I was currently. And so that was the case for Lewis. Even though I was still in college and he was out of college, I knew what I wanted and a husband knew what I wanted moving forward. You know, there was a lot of things I was very forthcoming about, like wanting to be a stay-at-home mom. I was very forthcoming about wanting to own my own business. I really was forthcoming about it. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but he was very supportive. He always was like my little cheerleader cheering me on through all those kinds of things. And he just really was like a pillar of support. And I appreciated some things that he was strong in that I knew I wasn't strong in, which was like money, finances. That wasn't my strong suit. I knew it was not. Plus he's six years my senior. So of course there's a stability factor that comes with that. So I knew that he was, you know, in a stable place. He had a great career. He was very, you know, into his career. And he had an entrepreneurial spirit as well it just worked really well. We complement each other really well. And so I think everybody who knows you guys can see that. (laughs) Jay has a special needs. A lot of people always ask like, was that a deal breaker? And I was like, no, it never was a deal breaker for me. One, because I do have a cousin who has cerebral palsy. She's not as severe as Jay, but seeing disability was not new for me. I was not afraid of that. And then two, probably because I'm just an old soul. I had a kid early, so I think differently. But I understood that it could happen to my daughter. Oh, they're screaming. It can happen to my daughter, you know, it can happen to anybody. It literally is nothing but a bad car accident or a bad case of the flu or something like that. And it could easily be one of my kids. And so that's kinda of how I thought about it. I was never afraid of
0: it. It never was something that pushed me away. What was the reason that made you go from, hey, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm actually, I'm killing it as a stay-at-home mom. I do this really well. It takes all your time. And especially with Jay, you're doing the bulk of all of the appointments and the medical. Like that is all on you. How do you even get the capacity to do something else? Where does that come from? It's so crazy. So I have impeccable faith. I pray and I
1: lean on God for a lot of things. And I'm just very optimistic and very comfortable when it comes to mothering. You know, you hear this thing when people say, Oh, I always want to be a mother. Like, I, I really did. Like, I always wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a stay at home mom. So, this was not something that was new for me. And neither was, you know, the entrepreneur spirit. So, when I started the blog, I started, I stopped because I didn't want to be another mommy blogger. And so, I came back to it because I do have a passion for writing. I do enjoy writing and I just took it and I decided to run with it. I put on blinders when it comes to other mommy bloggers and I just stay the course and focus on, you know, my content, what I'm talking about, and I just hope that touches and reaches another mom and it helps her in some way. A lot of mommy bloggers I've found are new moms, right? And so I'm like, I'm not a new mom. I can definitely talk about motherhood and parenting. And then I was like, oh, I can talk about special needs. And it's like, oh, they're teenagers. Now I can talk about being, you know, teens. And then it's like, oh, I have more kids. So now I can talk about toddlers. And so it became like the gift that kept on giving in a way. And so I just felt that I could use my voice. I can help other parents and just share this knowledge that I have instead of just keeping it all in. Because what ended up happening was a lot of my friends would come to me for advice. What oh, do you think about this or Erica should I do that? And all this advice I was giving. I felt that I should put some of it on paper and I should it out there and share it. And so that's how the blog came to be. And it kind of took off from there. You know, I began to start contacting other, I began to contact brands and I began to contact publications and see if they would be open to me writing and it worked out. And so I do write about special needs for Chicago Parent Magazine and I do write for the Abilities Expo, I write for their blog. And that's just kind of how it's been. And it's worked out and it works for my schedule and it works for me. I really love
0: writing. And so here I am. The podcast is your newest project and that one just launched this week. Yes. Right? i excited about it because my approach to my podcast is
1: basically an audio version of my blog. I understand that sometimes people don't have time to read. And so I wanted to reach that mom that's busy, that's in the kitchen, that's cooking, who has kids and she's doing this, she's doing that, but she doesn't have time to really pick up something, you know, pick up her phone or her tablet and like read. I wanted to have the podcast as like a spinoff of my blog. And so that's what I've done with that. So my goal is to keep it under 10 minutes.
0: For each podcast, how did you learn how to get involved in everything? Like start your website, build your brand. Start the actual podcast, get into the technology aspect of it because technology plays a huge factor right now in the way that you're able to market, the way that you're able to reach your audience, the way that you're able to grow your businesses. How did you do that part?
1: Self-taught. I taught myself how to create my website. I taught myself about this whole podcast piece. I taught myself literally, I taught myself all of it. This is not what I went to school for.
0: Yeah, because it's what they couldn't even teach this when we went to no, school. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I self-taught, I figure I'll try it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. YouTube, thank God for YouTube because you know there's a lot of tutorials and things like that, but definitely self-taught. There's no one did anything for me. Luckily, my husband is in technology. So if I had a question about something, you know, he can help me. For the most part,
0: it was just me. When you put something out there, you're like, man, I don't know if this is gonna be good. I don't know if anybody's gonna like it. I know I go through this moment. I'm sure you go through these moments. What do you tell yourself? I'm nervous every single time I have released over 200 blog posts and I'm
1: nervous every single time. And as I click publish and I walk away, literally I get up and I walk away or I put my laptop down and I walk away. And I just say, this is you, this is your truth. God knows my heart. He knows my intent behind it. And so it's done. How do you deal with judgment? Oh, my gosh. Because I've been judged like my entire life. <laughs> do you get a lot of judgment from stuff that you write or things that you do? I don't get a lot of judgment. And sometimes I wonder if I don't get a lot. And if people do judge me, I think they probably say it underneath their breath or they just like, oh, I'm not going to take interest in her, you know, that kind of thing. But I have dealt with judgment all my life, and so this will be nothing different. It doesn't mean that it doesn't get irritating and that kind of thing, but I'm running my race. I'm living in my truth, living out my purpose. And so I just find comfort in that because if I do allow myself to operate in the capacity of judgment, then I'm not going to get anything done. That's not being productive. I have to block it out. It's not always easy, especially if you're just getting into this thing and, you know, you're afraid of the judgment and things that people are going to say. But my advice is just to find comfort in knowing that you're living your truth. You're living out your purpose. You're doing something you absolutely love and enjoy. And, you know, you're not for everybody. That's really what it is. You're not for everybody. And I'm okay that I'm not for everybody. That's actually good. I don't want to be for everybody. I'm for those that find what I do or my pieces that I write, things that I put out there. I'm
0: for those people. I'm for those women. That's okay with me. Everybody needs a friend like Erica. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) You know who inspires you, pushes you, just gets it done. And you know what I love? Just what you said earlier. It's like, you have to have that focus. You cannot be focused on what other people are doing. Everything else around you, at the end of the day, it's this is your family. This is what your passion is. And you're willing and brave enough to pursue it. And that's the biggest piece. When
1: you put yourself out there, it's very vulnerable. It's a vulnerable thing to put yourself out there. And I don't think people really realize how vulnerable it is for you to create something and put it out there and like hope people like it. Yeah. And then look at the metrics and see nobody viewed it. Yeah. No likes, no shares. That can be a lot. But I tell myself that what I'm doing is not for the likes or the shares. It's okay if there's people that don't like or share your things. Because guess what? At the end of the day, they're still watching. And eventually once it catches on like popcorn, then they'll try to jump on the wagon and so the most important thing, I have a what I call a fairy godmother, and she's a phenomenal she's a spiritual mom, I just call it fairy godmother. She speaks life into me from a spiritual standpoint. everything that I have done, she has spoken. she was like, "Remember that time?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, you were right." <laughs> But I say that to say that have someone in your corner to speak to you spiritually, to be able to fill you up so that you can focus and so that you can block out all the chatter because you are not here for the likes and shares. That's something new. And it's just a phase. And just know that you're doing it out of a good place. That's the
0: capacity I operate. This is the first time where those who aren't used to having our kids with us all the time, 100%, and everybody's in the same house, and it's really hard to focus. What were some strategies that you used when you were starting out that helped you keep that focus? Because you always had the kids with you in any of your projects that you started, right? You didn't have an office to go to. You didn't have a team of people to consult with outside of the home. It takes a learning curve. You have some patience with yourself, give yourself grace. And planning
1: is going to be the biggest piece of it. And sticking to the plan is the hardest piece of it because you can come out with this wonderful plan, have everything looking really nice in your happy planner, right? But then you have to stick to it. And that's the hardest part. So for me, time blocking was very important for me, making sure that I carved out specific times of the day where I did specific things so that it wouldn't interfere with the kids. And then if things did interfere with the kids, sometimes it was just like, it's a
0: grind, so I just got to push through it. Push yeah, like through. now, like we have our call and exactly. you know, kids are running mayhem. Lewis is supposed to be watching them. Yes, but well, he's literally on a call
1: right now. Yeah, oh. It yeah. went over and it happens, right? He was yeah, they're to watching themselves. And, yeah, they're literally raising themselves Everybody. right now. <laughs> but I would say you have to really do some time blocking, really assess what these strengths are that you have, what it is that you want to do, and try to figure out a way how you can make this coexist with your current setup so sometimes you know it may be a situation where it's like let's say i want to go back to school and so for me it was like okay how can i go back to school with my current situation i have four kids and people don't know i have a baby on the way so how can i make this work so that it works efficiently effectively within the ecosystem of my house and so for me it was like okay it's all about controlling the things that you can control. Well, I can control whether or not I go to an on campus school or an online school. So, okay, I'm going to choose online school because that makes more sense. It's fitting for my situation. It doesn't mean that I don't have an interest, but this is what's done. This
0: works. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's about what can you do to get the job done? Even if it means you have to wake up an hour early before the kids. I try to wake up early before the kids so that I can pray. That's a practice that I have. So if you want to use that as it pertains to your business, wake up an hour early, take care of some emails or write some pitches or you know, do some editing, that kind of thing, wake up an hour before.
0: What time do you wake up? Now it literally varies. It depends. But on an average, I would say I wake up about 6.30, And then what do you do when you wake up and you pray? What do you pray for? <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole practice. Can you share
1: that with me? <laughs> yeah, so I have a whole prayer space. It's considered a sacred space. Some people call it an altar. But literally, there's candles, there's Bibles, there's some affirmations. And so I'll walk you through it. I light the candles. I start praying. I this is I'm... a
0: place in your house? Yeah, Like a room? It's in my room, but it's at the table. Okay. So, I so you get up and you're like, oh. Yeah, and and then like, you go what? to the table. Yeah, and I'm like,
1: let me go over there. and Let me pray. But when you think about it, it's like, oh, let me pray. like, wait, I shouldn't think like that. Okay, I feel bad. I shouldn't feel like, oh, I don't feel like praying. That's not a good way to think about it. <laughs> it kind of gets you in check room really quick. But I go to the table. I light the candles. I thank God for a new day. I pray that this day goes well. I'm praying about the coronavirus and praying about my family, just all these different things that's on my mind. From there, I actually have these affirmation cards. And so people think they're tarot cards, but they're not tarot at all. I swish them around. And I close my eyes. I pray over
0: the cards. (laughs) What does Lewis say about all of it? When he first saw it, he was just like, Wait a minute! (laughs) All right, whatever. Is Lewis spiritual? I don't know if he's spiritual. Is he? Not spiritual, like I am. No, No. he's just like, like, Okay, good. Just do what you need to do. Do your thing. Yes, you need to do do your thing. But he'll walk in. No judgment. Yeah, he'll tip in, and he's like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I ain't pissing her off. (laughs) But yeah, so I have cards laid out. And then wherever I feel like the most energy is pulling me to that card, I can't see what the affirmation is. But wherever it's pulling me to, I flip over that card. And whatever that card is, I use that to set the intent for the rest of my day. So I see that card, I read that card. And then I write down my intent for the day, which works really, really well. And I use it based on that card. And it's kind of a form of journaling as well. So I use that card as maybe you could say it's like a journal prompt. I use that and it helps kind of get me in a good place because I think so often as women and moms, we wake up in a frenzy, We wake up and it's like, I got to do this, I got to do that. And you literally have started your day stressed out. I wanted to stop that. And so I was like, okay, I, can't. I don't want to do this anymore. So that's where doing this came into play. More of an organized practice because, okay, you wake up and pray and then, you know, you kind of go about your day. But I wanted to be a lot more intentional about it uh, because I just want to feel a lot more grounded. And in control of your own day. Yes. That's what he gave me. But my space, it has like plants and it has books,
0: things that inspire me, things that are pleasant to look at. And that's how I do it. What are those things that this feeds me, this nourishes me, this inspires me? So I love seeing other women doing great things, phenomenal things
1: like that pushes me, that inspires me. My kids inspire me. I know it sounds cliche, but I was a teen mom. And so I just think about my progression over the years where I I came from and where I am now as being a mom. Coming from being 17 and pregnant and now I'm almost 35. A lot has happened within that time. They inspire me to be better, do better. And it doesn't help that I have four girls. And so living in this world today Four girls, you know, it's a big deal. You're raising four women. It's important that they can look at me as a reference. They can cite me as a source in their life story. It's important that I do my due diligence and do and be as best as I possibly can. And so they truly do. They inspire me. And then, you know, my husband and my mom, you know, they're like my little cheerleaders. They're like, you can do it. Just don't focus on them. Don't think about those other people. Do your thing. And so that's what I do. I run my race and That's how I focus. That is what fills me up. And I love reading. This is a fraction of books.
0: Oh, I know. I've been to your house. (laughs) What are some mom truths that you know, like this is a mom truth. Mom truth is even though I'm sitting here doing this
1: podcast, right? I'm thinking about what my kids are doing. Did they eat enough? They have to get in the tub. I'm thinking about all the things I need to do. I'm thinking about okay, how could I have done this better? How can I have said this better? Even though I'm sitting here like, and I'm focused on this and I'm doing this. Yeah. In your mind. My mind is thinking about a lot of different things. And so that's a mom's truth. Mom's truth is being unapologetic yourself. Mom's truth is it's okay to be tired. It's okay to be mad. Like that is okay. Don't feel bad about that. It's okay. If you forgot to pack the lunch, that's okay.
0: When your kids forget their lunch, do you go take it to their
1: school? Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And I do that because I want to keep them on their toes and to know that not <laughs> Mom ain't gonna yet. bail you out. <laughs> yes. So sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's literally at my discretion. And it's not because I'm being mean, but I wanna let you know that, you know, you got yourself in this situation. So you need to figure out how to get yourself out. Now I do know that my kids' school give them a lunch and all I do is pay for it. But the point is is that you have to take ownership and responsibility. And I am heavy on that. They don't get an
0: easy pass. I am like, I did school already. This is your thing. I did that. So Okay, so you have daughters, right? What is it that is most important for you to teach your daughters as a mom?
1: So it's important that they're resilient. It's important that they use their voice. I'm all about using your voice. Because if you don't use your voice, people will step all over you. You won't be hurt for those things that you feel are important. And so... That, for me, is huge. And so that's why I'm very vocal about things. I don't hold my breath when it comes to things. If I'm passionate about it or if I have whatever my perspective is, I share it. I let it be known. And I like for them to see that because I think it's important for them to see that. I don't shy away from the fact that I am a stay-at-home mom, but I also drive in those key points of what being a stay-at-home mom really is. It doesn't mean that your dad gets to walk all over me and he makes decisions and I just follow whatever he says. No, we still operate as a team. These are the sacrifices I've made to stay at home. So even though I'm staying at home, I could be going to my corporate career, my corporate job, you know, but I decided that I want to stay at home because I want to be present for you guys. I wanted to be there for you guys. I want to be able to help you along the way as you grow up. And so for me, I really want them to know just the importance and the integrity that comes behind being a woman, using your voice, standing up for what you believe in. And just owning your truth, I think that those kind of things are invaluable. And I'm not gonna—I don't want to say weak because that's not the proper term—but I don't want them to be very feeble how they move about and take up space in this world. You want them to take up space in this world. Yes, I want them to be strong. And I want when you walk in the room, I want people to know that you mean business and you're not a pushover. And so that's what's really important for me, for them to see. And the best way for them to get that is for me to model that behavior. That's why
0: I do what I do. And hopefully it rubs off. (laughs) What are you most proud of when you think about your family, think about the career you've built? What are you most proud of to this point? That's hard, Andrew, because I am probably the least absorbed person.
1: And when I do things, it's kind of like, yeah, I did it and move away from it. But Owning what I have done, I think I'm most proud of taking my daughter to college with me, completing college on time, and graduating from high school growth. I think that it's important that I do highlight that. I share that. It's a huge part of my story and my journey. And so I think that that's commendable considering the trajectories that are set forth
0: if you are a teen mom, and especially if you're African-American, and especially if you're not married. Can you set that stage for us? Because sometimes... People don't always understand like what that means. So if you can walk us back, you're in high school, you get pregnant and where your mind was and then how you were able to find resilience through it. Yes. So when I found that I was pregnant, it was early in the pregnancy. I had missed my
1: cycle. And so I'm like, "Ooh, I think I'm pregnant. And so here I am, 17 years old, and I am a senior in high school. And it was during the Thanksgiving break when I took the test actually was on the field. I missed like a bunch of days, I four to five days or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So the next month I have to start clean. I have to start new while well, I was pregnant. That's how baby happened. That's how it happened. <laughs> I told my cousin and then my cousin told my aunt and my aunt, which is my mom's sister was like, okay, I know I'm going to give you, and she gave me a certain amount of time to tell my mom. And so she was just like, if you don't tell her by Sunday, I'm going to tell her. So mind you, the Thanksgiving break is like that Thursday through Sunday. <laughs> so I'm like, how do you do it? You know what I'm saying? Like, is 17. How do you say, hey, mom, how do you even say it? And so I decided, tell her. That's what I decided. You tell her. You tell her. And then she comes to me and then we have the conversation. Oh, you? So you had the auntie do it? Yeah. I said, you tell her. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I don't want to do it. How do I even say it? mom like i didn't even know how to say it it was awful 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 my mom my family completely disappointed it's like
0: erica no not erica Not Erica. was your mom a teenage mom no she was pregnant at, i think when she had me she was 20 so this was new for her yeah, true. yeah for her. Not expecting
1: i'm her only child and so it's like oh, your only child <laughs> you know so i'm the only child i get pregnant I'm still in high school. I'm 17. And then there is this thing that we do as parents where we feel that what our children do is a reflection of us. So, you know, of course, it's like, so now people are going to think this about me because of what you did. And so that was something we had to get through. And it really sucked. It really sucked Because when you think about it, you're wearing your sins on your sleeve and people see you. There's a lot of embarrassment. Oh, my oh. gosh. Embarrassment. It's awful, you know, it's just yes. stomach pokes out and people are looking really your family. The outside world was like, whatever, they don't know me, but my family and you know, you know how it is. You know, when you have a close family, you guys get together a lot. It's there. You can't hide it. It was very embarrassing. And the eyes were definitely stacked up against me. I don't have a father in my life. I'm pregnant. I'm 17. I'm pregnant. I'm black. I live in a minority driven community with African-Americans and Latinos. And so, you know, I have this whole thing where this is how they do, this is what they do. And I know that that's what people, you the know. The stereotype. The stereotype. I chose to, again, stay laser focused. I knew I still wanted to go to college. I did have people say, how are you going to go to college now? Because I talked to college a lot, you know, that was always a part of my plan. A lot of people were like, how are you going to go to college? How are you going to do it? For me, and probably even still to this day, I'm the same way, but it's like, I'm not a person of many words. I'm just going to do it. And so that's what I chose to do. I looked into everything. I figured it all out. And I graduated from high school a semester early. When I graduated in January, I started college in March with my belly. And I started in March. I took my classes. I went to school over the summer. I had my baby in July, which was perfect because six weeks later is when school started again. I stayed at the junior college for another two semesters. And then I went to the four-year school and I found a school that had family housing, that had daycare on campus. And I was like, this is where I'm going. And they were like, wait, what? you going where?" <laughs> so what about this? And what about that? And I was like, this and that and this. And like I, every question that they had for me, I had an answer. I knew that that was going to be important. And so that's how I did it. But I can it was not easy at all because I was still working when I was in college. I had internships in college. I did have to depend on my support system. My mom, my daughter's dad, his mom. But everyone was very supportive and it ended up working out. It definitely was not easy. I mean, I still had to study, but I still had a baby. And I still had to take her to like daycare. And, you know, I still had to care for her. And then I was kind of social on campus. And so I had to figure out how can both of these coexist. And so I approached it like, this is me, guys hi, I'm Erica. I have a two-year-old. That's yeah. It. This is me. This is what I come with. This is my situation. And I just had to own my truth. And that's my advice to, you know, like everyone and all women, like own your truth and just use it to really inspire the next woman or the young girl behind you, because those stories matter. And those stories are
0: what really helps one another. And so for me, that's important. I will tell you, that was how I was able to get through was, I was in a freshman year of college and I know exactly what you mean, the stigma. And I grew up, my mom was religious and I grew up Christian. We didn't talk about sex or birth control. It was a conversation that was almost like you just don't have. And in college, hormones are crazy. And I go away to college and I come back my freshman year pregnant. I'm like, shit, no one even knew. You know, I knew him. We met from different schools. I was considering an abortion. I have nothing against abortions. I'm actually a proponent of abortions, if anyone is curious. But at that time, I was thinking it. It was a summer. I was 18 years old. I'm thinking I have to drop out of school. I have to drop out. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know. I have no plan and decided to keep the child. So I go get public aid so I can get Medicare, so I can go to the doctor. And I went to my mom, and I, I'm like, Mom, I'm pregnant. I have Medicaid, so I know that me and the baby have insurance, at least right now. And I have my little part-time job at JCPenney. And I'm going to continue school, but I don't know what I'm going to do with school because I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish. It turned out well. She was supportive. The next day was the day I had to figure out what I'm going to do with school. I think I'm going to have to drop out because I'm not having my mom pay for my child. I'm going to go get a job. This is what I knew at that time. I'm going to do what my mom did because my mom was a single mom, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to make sure that the baby's delivered healthy and I'm going to figure it out. We'll just figure it out. But school's not going to be the way right now. I don't have the time to go to school. I call up the vice president of the school because I needed her permission to drop my courses. I call her office, her assistant answers. And I say, I need to make an appointment with Laura Heyman because I need to drop out of school or something. She's like, no, 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 no. She's right here. Talk to her. Lori gets on the phone. This is her second time really talking to me. The only other first time was when we were at a bowling event. And that's when she took an interest. And I'm like, hi, Lori, we met at that one bowling event. And I just remember you're really nice. And I have to actually drop out of school. I need your permission. Can I come into your office to go fill out the paperwork? And she's like, I'm here right now. Come right now. I go to Lori Heyman's office. And I'm walking in and I'm going to disenroll from college and stop because I don't have the ability to do. It. I don't, I'm pregnant. I don't know of any other route other than going to work. And she looks at me and after I tell her, I'm basically almost crying now. And she's like, Andrea, you will not drop out of college. You can do this. She's like, and you will do this. She's like, do you want to know why? And I said, why? And you're crying like, why? ugly cry too. She literally turns around right here. There's a picture of her son. He's a handsome 20 year old or, you know, adult. She's like, this is my son. And when I was in school, I was pregnant with him. She's like, and I didn't give up and you won't either. And I'm like, what? Like, first of all, like. I support you share your story because had she not shared that, that
1: could have changed the trajectory of your life. It did. did and you may not know
0: it did change the trajectory of my life because that was the moment when I realized, in her position because at that time you're a vice president of a college like a well to do you're successful you're everything i want to be right and you have the same story i would have never known that that was the moment that i realized oh we can do this right like wait this is an option that's an option
1: I didn't know this was an option. And that's because we come from a place where people, one, don't share their stories. Two, aren't open and don't see anything further in the fact that you're pregnant. For some reason, pregnancy equates handicap and you can't do it, which is so crazy because then when you go into the workforce, they expect you to work until you're due, okay? So it's amazing how this thing changes for women, which I'm very passionate about women and women's rights because here it is, pregnancy, you can't go. You can't even finish college. But then, pregnancy, and you're an adult. You're going to stay at this job, and you're going to stay here until you are damn delivering at the job, and that's expected of you. And so, that's a phenomenal story. I'm so glad she owned up and shared that because a lot of people would not.
0: A lot of people to. would not, and she didn't have to. To your point, it's only because of the fact that there was someone else who did it, who didn't quit before me, and who had. I would say the availability, she was accessible. She was available. She took an interest in me. She took time. She didn't have to have me go to her office that day. I don't know if she cleared her schedule or not to meet me. It doesn't matter. I met her that day. If I didn't go to her office that day, I guarantee you, I don't know if my life where I would be right now. Not giving her sole credit for how my life, but that is truly one of those pivotal moments of this is an option. And it's not a bad option. This is actually a phenomenal option. And you can do really well. And this isn't the end of your story. It's just the beginning. Yeah, and she spoke life into you. And I think that that was very pivotal because when you think about it, you know, it's
1: like, here it is, you're coming in here and you have this, I can't do, I'm not gonna do, there's no way I can do
0: attitude. And then she literally spoke life into you and literally changed your mindset. That's just incredible. For the pivotal people that like Lori Heyman and mine, they were there for you, either good or bad, and they made you who you are. Can you give me one or two of those people? Oh my gosh, this is going to be very hard because I have like three. Okay, okay, so, three is good. Let's go with three. First, I'm going to start with,
1: of course, my mom and my grandmother. I've grown up in the house with my grandmother most of my life, besides about a seven-year gap when my mom was married. My grandmother is huge because she's just a very non-confrontational person. Whenever she speaks her piece, she speaks her piece. She's not hollering. She's not screaming. You know, she says it and done. And so I think I've kind of taken on that a little bit. I'm not screaming, that's my piece. And that's it. She's been a huge encourager of mine. She's just very positive. My mom is very strict in a way. My mom keeps me on my toes. I do appreciate that. You know, she keeps me on my toes. She makes sure I'm thinking. And so when it pertains to my mom, she really gives me that energy. I need to get my engine going. Because I know she's going to be like, so what about this? And what about that? Did you do this? Did you do that? I appreciate that. She's mom. (laughs) I need that. So, and then finally, it would be my late great aunt. Her name was Charlotte. And so my aunt Charlotte was a stay-at-home mom. She is the mother of my cousin that had cerebral palsy. And that was the first woman that I seen as a stay-at-home mom. And she did it with so much grace. And she did it with so much class. She was religious, but she was a Jehovah Witness, which was fine. I really took a liking to how spiritual she was, how much she had such a love for her spirituality, her children, how she cared for her family, and how she was just like a ride or die for her family. Like, you know, there's nothing you can tell her about her family. She's going to get it done. Even know, with my cousin that has the special needs, that was back when it's very hard to get these services and things like that. I mean, in she was on it. You know, she was writing the state and she was writing letters to the politicians and she was doing that thing. And so growing up seeing that, I was like, yes, yeah. yes, 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 that, that right there, she makes it happen. And she did. And she did it with so much class and so much grace. And she wasn't hollering. She had an elaborate vocabulary and I loved how she did life and how she did it so gracefully with her apron on in the kitchen and cooking her meals. I swear our lives are very close.
0: Oh, when you're describing her, I think you. I envision you. You are her now. Yeah, and people say, like, in my family, like, oh my gosh, you act just
1: like her. <laughs> and even her kids, she has four daughters. They say that all the time. they were like, oh my gosh, you act just like her. And it's not even on purpose, which is funny. Yeah. I just appreciate it and like what I saw growing up. But they're like, oh my gosh, you act just like her. And so my aunt Charlotte, my grandmother and my mom are definitely three women that really kind of
0: moved me to buy I'm sick. And the world would miss out if you were not you know, able to benefit from their lessons. Before we end, what is next for you? I'm shopping doctoral programs and you guys are hearing it first here. <laughs>
1: I'm shopping programs to get a doctorate in business and still growing my blog, continuously spreading my truth. I'm doing a lot of things digitally the podcast. I really want to get that out. Hopefully more speaking engagements and things like that. But I'm definitely focused on school, college for my soon to be junior. And so that's big right now. This is because all these things are going on with the coronavirus. And so it's changing up our plan a little bit. We're thinking about schools and there's gonna change with A C T and SAT and so we're really just trying to figure that all out. But that's what's next for me. Shopping doctoral programs shopping undergrad programs for my daughter or with her just still growing my business and so that's where I am
0: well thank you Erica thank you for joining I appreciate your time for audience at home thank you guys for tuning in you can find Erica on her website sinkingheelsofmotherhood.com and then that is also the name of her new podcast which is out on all of the platforms I hope you guys tune in she's an excellent resource bye everyone bye Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out Tuesdayswithandrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comments section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.